We are going to start a series called Baggage, and uh, maybe you've heard that expression, and that's not why I asked you to come up here, it's about, you know I want you to carry my baggage. Uh, and the idea is this, you've heard lots of people say, well, that person has a lot of baggage, or she, you know, comes with a lot of baggage, or whatnot. Um, our desire, our hope in this series is that we would identify the baggage that we're carrying, and we would talk about how do we drop the baggage. And so I wanted to ask Lauren to come with me and to walk on a journey with me as we kind of go through, maybe bring the house lights up on how someone acquires baggage in the first place. And when it comes to acquiring baggage, it happens from a very young age. Let's imagine Lauren is a young little man in elementary school, and someone calls him a name, and that name hurts. And maybe you've experienced that, and you remember the names you were called in elementary school. And when you get something like that, it's painful. And so you get baggage. You start to acquire it from a very, very young age. Maybe you were born into a family that, uh, that gave you uh, and said some things or didn't put up the protection that you needed, and so it left a mark on you, and you're carrying the weight, even maybe some of the parents, um, their decisions and what they chose to do, you're carrying that along in your life. But you can't stop, right? you got to continue. And so life doesn't stop, time doesn't stop, you just got to keep moving. And so you walk around, you go through life, you leave elementary school, and where do you end up is middle school. And holy cow, that's rough. Don't like middle school. He's trying to figure out who you are, what's going on inside of your life, trying to uh, establish um, all the changes that you're experiencing. And then comes females and males and dating. And you experience your first round of rejection. Lauren, there you are. She said no. So <laughs> all for you. You move along in life. You keep going. And as you go along, you go through Titan places where it's very difficult to move and everybody's moving. Look at you. Good job. Well done. It gets uncomfortable. And why in the world is the pastor walking through here and looking at me right now? You get over to here and then what happens is you get married. Talk about baggage. You not only have to carry yours, but you got to carry your spouse's. So there you are. And then what really happens is kids. You have kids and... <laughs> Life picks up. You start to move at a pace. <laughs> you have to move at a pace where you got to keep going because kids don't stop. They go, go, go. And they leave their junk everywhere in the floor. And you got to pick it up on a regular basis. <laughs> there you go. Well done. And you got to keep moving because you get a job and they ask you to do more work and you can possibly put together. No, it's not going to fall. You got to keep going. <laughs> All right, move forward. Come on. I thought you were strong. That's why I picked you. <laughs> watch the step. Watch the step. Watch the step. Got it. All right, hold Okay, hold it all the way. Where are you going? <laughs> you can't drop it yet. <laughs> My point is, yeah, there you go. Good job. <laughs> we acquire lots of weight as we move along. Baggage that we have. Lauren, thank you so much, man. Well done. And I was going to say at one point, I was going to give him permission that you can drop it. But what's amazing is he couldn't make it. It's a lot of weight. And he asked the question in the first service, are there weights in these? Yes, we put weights in those. Because baggage is heavy. 
and we acquire it as we move along, as we get hurt. And here's what I'm just wanting to say. That's not God's intention. God never intended that you would walk around with that much weight, carrying that much pain, and he wants you to drop it, to throw it off. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, let us throw off. Other words, lay aside, get rid of, rid ourselves of, drop in Lauren's situation, drop everything that hinders, everything that hinders, that's baggage, and the sin, baggage, that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance. You notice there, Lauren couldn't even, there would be no chance of him running with all of that. Other translations say perseverance, the race God set before us. My hope, our hope, our desire is that in this series, we can drop the baggage. We could drop the baggage and walk in true freedom. And so in this series, we're going to talk about the baggage of debt. We're going to talk about the baggage of resentment. And today, we're going to talk about the baggage of secrets, and so today might be a little bit more uncomfortable than normal. I would imagine it possibly could be because we're going to talk about secrets. And you're going to say, Jake, what kind of secrets are we going to talk about? Because there are some good secrets. There are some bad secrets. Well, good secrets, if you will, are secrets like, you know, birthday surprises or Christmas gifts, things that you don't want to give away. Like uh, the, a little while back, it was Mother's Day, and I was with my son. And we made Mother's Day cards, and I asked him to uh, keep the secret. We have a week till Mother's Day, so don't tell mom about the card that you made her. And we talked about it over and over again. What is this? Oh, it's a secret, right? It's a secret. We're not going to tell mom, right? We're going to surprise her. We're going to surprise her. We're not going to tell her, right? Not going to tell her. The, literally, the minute my wife opens the door, Percy ran up, Mom, I made you a card for Mother's Day. <laughs> And tells her right there, he couldn't keep a secret for the life of him. And so at that point, we just gave the card to her because he had it in his hand and handed it to her. So some secrets are good, but those are not the secrets that we are talking about today. We are talking about the secrets of sin, concealed sin. We're talking about lying, cheating, pornography, affairs, eating disorders, jealousy, envy, addictions. There's more and more. Those just, just to name a few. We're talking about the secrets. So every time I say secrets from now on, that's what I'm referring to is concealed sin. Now, oftentimes when I have conversations with people, because as a pastor, you get these type of conversations. They come to you on a regular basis. Oftentimes when someone is carrying a secret and they're wondering, what do I need to do with this? They will and I say, well, I think you should confess it. And they will say a phrase or a, a justification of a statement like, well, why does it matter? I'm, I'm not hurting anyone. Really? I'm not, I'm not hurting anyone. No one's being hurt by this. I don't really need to tell. I just want to hold on to it. And I'm not hurting anyone. And I'm just going to tell you that's a lie. That's just not true. Secrets, the ones I'm talking about, wound. They wound, and there are two kinds of, or two, two types of people that, they, uh, that it wounds. One is yourself. If you're keeping a secret and you're holding sin secretly down inside of you and you're not letting it out and you're not, you're not confessing that sin, it is hurting you from the inside out. The second type of person that it is hurting is the ones that you love, the ones that you are closest to. Because when it all comes out, when it all spills out, 
It is painful. And it's even painful when it's being held on the inside because they're not getting all of you because you are holding back at that moment pieces of yourself. Secrets wound. Muhammad Gandhi, he may not be a Christian, but he wrote this, and it was very wise. He said, one cannot do right in one department of life while occupied in doing wrong in another department. Life is an indivisible whole. And it is. Secrets wound. When you have secrets in this section of your life, it will inevitably affect this section of your life. It comes with shame. It causes us to pull back and to isolate ourselves and create a block. This is huge. It creates a block between us and true intimacy with God and with others. And so the saddest part is that what you're doing when you are concealing this sin, when you have these secrets, is you are putting on a mask. You are dressing up and you are playing Halloween and people are not getting the opportunity to know you. They are learning who you are as a mask. They are, they are falling in love. They are caring for. They are friends with a mask instead of a person. And so wounds, secret wounds, they not only wound, they are secrets, they wound, they destroy lives. And maybe not immediately, but eventually, if confession is delayed, the repercussions, the consequences, the aftermath is far, far, far worse. You may have heard this illustration before, but concealing sin is like holding down a beach ball, a, like a beach ball underneath the water and trying to hold it. Eventually, at some point in time, that beach ball will find its way up. It is so hard and it takes so much effort to keep down there. One of my, speaking of keeping secrets, one of my favorite comedians of all time, and I say that in past tense now because there's no other way for me to say it, was Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby to me was the funniest man alive. I memorized what he said. I memorized his sticks. I had his, his, his routines and what down. I thought it was great because young people had never heard him before. When I would do messages, I would actually quote his material and they wouldn't know. And I thought I was, they thought I was so funny, but that was Bill, Right? I can't. Yeah, I was plagiarizing exactly. <laughs> um, there's no way that I can listen to Bill's stuff anymore, unfortunately. And it's not that it's not funny. It's just that he kept a secret and for a long time. And the repercussions of that has found his way in prison. And it's just so unfortunate. Do I, do I pray for the man? Actually, believe it or not, yes, I have. I've, I've actually prayed for the man. But it changes things. It causes pain. I mean, he was, what was he? He was the America's dad. He put this persona on, and it just was not him. It was a mask that he had there. Moses says this. He says, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And it does. That is a true, true statement. And so what do we do? What do we do when we have something inside of us that was never meant to be concealed there? It was never meant to be hidden. We're never supposed to have that a part of our lives, and yet we keep secret on top of secret on top of secret. Well, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, he said this. He said, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show you mercy. You have heard the phrase probably that confession is good for the soul and it is good for the soul. 
Solomon says it's good for the soul. Confession, what it does is it frees us from the baggage of secrets. That's what confession does. It frees us from the baggage of secrets. Sin. Friends, it's one of those very few things that grows in the dark. And when you conceal it, when you hide sin inside of your life, what confession does is it brings what's in the darkness into the light and it kills it. That's through Jesus. It kills it. And, it, and sin is like cancer. Secrets are like cancer. It is way better to detect or to confess secrets before they get too long. You want to catch it early. You want to confess early. You want to keep short accounts, clean slate. That's how we're designed to live. We were never designed to live to carry this much weight. When I was at Overlake, I was there for, gosh, 17 years, and I was a pastor, and there was only one thing that I was really famous for on staff, and friends, it was for lighting the church on fire. And I'm not joking. I actually did light the church on fire. You, not everybody knew that at the church, but if you were on staff, you knew that Jake tried to burn down the church. Not in a positive way, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> I tried to burn down the church. I did it on accident. I, uh, I liked candles in my office. I still like candles in my office. And so um, what I ended up doing is I ended up lighting a match because I didn't have one of these at the time. I was from Eatonville, and I thought you used the wooden matches, and so I thought that was the best. So I lit the match. I blew it out. I threw it in my garbage. I made sure it was out. And then I noticed at that moment that my garbage was full. And so what I needed to do was I needed to empty it. So I grabbed my garbage, I tied it up, and then I went over into the kitchen area where they had a closet that held all the trash. And so I put it inside of the big bucket inside of the closet, I shut it, and then I went back to my office. I worked for a little bit and realized I'm hungry. And so I grabbed the food out of my fridge, I went to go microwave it. This is about maybe 10 minutes later. I come back, I realize that there's a smell of smoke as I'm going there, and I thought, wow, who's burning? Their, who burnt their food in the kitchen is what I thought. And then I go in and I realize, oh, there's smoke. Man, they really burnt. Oh my goodness, it's coming out of the closet. Immediately I knew what it was. I knew that it was I who had lit the, the closet on fire. And so in that moment, friends, I, I had to go get my keys and I unlocked it because it was locked. And when I opened it, I'm not making this up. It's so true. Backdraft is a thing. If you've ever seen the movie, I opened the door, oxygen went in, and all of a sudden it went whoosh up to the ceiling. It was like starving for oxygen, and it just went all the way up, and then I was like, ah, you know, freaking out. And so I shut the door, and I ran as fast as I could down the hall to get an extinguisher. Now, I knew where they were because my dad owns a fire extinguisher company, and guess who services the fire extinguishers at the church? Me. That was what it was. So I went, I grabbed it. On my way back, I ran into a sweet gal, an elderly gal named Marilyn, and I slammed her into the wall when I went around the corner. I felt so bad. And then I ran in there. I went to open up the thing and put out the fire. And the moment that I was getting to the door to unlock it again, because I locked the burning door, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> when I went to unlock it again, I heard this and these little fire things burnt, 
and water was pouring out all over the top of it. Luckily, there was one right over the garbage can, and the whole thing went out. You could see the, the whole closet was black, and it was pouring, pouring, pouring. And so the alarm went off, and so as staff, we know we need to exit the building. But before we exit the building, I needed to go to the executive pastor, my boss, and tell him, hey, it's a real fire, and I'm just giving him only the information that we need. It's a real fire, but don't worry, it's out now. It's good, right? And I thought that's all he needed to know. And so then we walked, and we went down, and we're meeting as a staff. I'm one of the last to arrive, but Dana has already told the executive pastor, the senior pastor at the time, what had happened. And so the senior pastor stands up to the whole staff that's there and says, um, so friends, it was a real fire, but don't worry, Jake put the fire out. Here's our hero. Would you give it up for Jake? And they give me a round of applause, and I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, I was freaking out. I'm like, um, I started the fire. I was the one that knew that. And so I quickly went over to my executive pastor, my boss, and I said, I confess. I let it all out because I knew they would have an investigation, you know, because it was a fire. So I confessed. No, I fully confessed as quick as possible. And then they told everybody at the staff meeting that I had not only put out the fire, but I was actually the one that started it as well. The worst part, which I forgot to tell at first service, was the damage that was done was not that bad. The closet was um, completely uh, black. But what was the worst was that they turned the sprinkler system on, and you cannot stop that until the fire department comes. So therefore, it did a good $25,000 of damage to the church that I never had to pay for. <laughs> so uh, again, another opportunity where the church was very gracious with me. <laughs> but friends... <laughs> you got to confess early. It is best to confess early. I bet you if I didn't confess, I probably would have been fired. Uh, but the, the beauty is we, you got to confess early. So let's talk about confession. There are two parts when it comes to confession. Two parts. First part is the God part. The confession to God part. Uh, we can try and live our lives in secret, but first and foremost, when we sin, and especially when we sin in secret, we are sinning and we are hurting God's heart. We are sinning against God himself first and foremost. So therefore, we need to confess to God, and we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to God for forgiveness. The Bible is very clear on this. It says the Apostle John said, he said this, if, if we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. King David, he was speaking with God and he said this, he said, I confessed my sins to you. I did not conceal my wrongdoings. I decided to confess them to you and you forgave all my sins. This is a big deal, my friends. Forgiveness, it is what we long for. Romans says we have all sinned and fallen, fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we need forgiveness. And the only one who gives us that is God himself. Who can forgive sins? Jesus was asked that at one point in time, right? Who can forgive sins? And it's him, right? Jesus is the one who forgives sins. 
And, and, and this is more than feeling sorry. When you confess, it's more than feeling sorry for getting caught. This is repentance because what? We are hurting God's heart. Without forgiveness, we are living in darkness. We are living with wounds. We are living in separation for all eternity. We confess to God for forgiveness, first and foremost. Secondly, we confess um, to others for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he said this. He said, therefore, confess your sins to who? One to another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. So the natural question that I have is, why in the world, if you ask God to forgive you, isn't that it? Doesn't that seal the deal? But yet, for some reason, in God's word, he is asking us to confess, not just to him and him alone, but to confess to other people for the purpose specifically written there to be healed. Why do we have to do that? Why is that a part of it? Seems a little shaming. It seems a little difficult. Why would we have to confess to others? Well, there's two real reasons. One is it brings support in. When you confess to someone else, it brings another person into the situation. It gets rid of the secret, right? It gets rid of the secret. Um, Lauren was never meant to carry all this weight. You can't carry all this weight. And I chose, honestly, Lauren specifically because he is so strong. And if anyone is going to be able to carry these things around, it would be him. But you saw this. He couldn't even carry them for that long. He dropped the weight. Same with us. We cannot carry our sins all by ourselves. Therefore, God made it, and he asked us to confess to one another so that we could bring in support and to pray with one another. Notice that. It says to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another to provide support in that direction. So number one When we confess to other people, it brings someone else into the equation, and so we have support for what we're dealing with and what we're wrestling with. The second reason I think that this is the case, that we should ask others and confess to others, is this, is that it makes it really real, does it not? It makes it real. When you confess in your prayer closet to God, that's, that, that's true. It's, it's, it's the reality of forgiveness is happening in that situation. But it makes it real, really, 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 really real to us when we confess one to another. There is something, right, that happens when we actually hear the words and our explanation of what we've been doing when it comes to sin coming out of our very own mouths. It makes it real. It brings support and it makes it real. So, Side note here, when, you, when it comes to confessing, we need to use wisdom on whom we are confessing to. Yes, you should probably confess to the person that you have offended, but I don't know if you need to start with that person. You should at least start with somebody that you trust, a safe person, someone that you can confide in, someone that you've built um, a, a, a friendship with over a period of time. Maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's a family member. Maybe that's a friend. For me, um, it has been Dave Kelly for years. I've talked about him over and over and over again. And the reason I do up here is because he has had a profound effect on my life. 
almost 20 years now, we have been going out to lunch every single Wednesday, and we have been holding each other accountable, and he has been a mentor to me. And that man truly does know more about me than my wife. I share more with him sometimes than I do with my wife, and my wife's really okay with that because she doesn't want to know everything about me. Um, But I share with him everything, and that's the deal. Everyone doesn't need to know everything about your life. You don't need to go confess on Facebook and say, here's what I've done. But some one person should know everything about you. Someone should know. And so you got to find that person that you can trust, that person that you have a friendship one, a safe person, and go to a safe place and have that conversation of confession. And so let's get real personal for just a sec. I realize that some of you, when it comes to me speaking up here, and this is a hard part for me as a job, as a communicator, I'm supposed to come up here and I'm supposed to share information and I want to move us as a congregation. But something like this is really difficult. And some of you I know are blowing me off right from the very beginning because you're thinking the cost is way too high. It is way too high. Jake, you do not know what I have done, and the truth is I do not know what you have done, but the Holy Spirit does, and the moment that I started talking and I said the word secrets, for some of you, it put in the back of your mind, oh, this, this thing, that situation, and you're thinking to yourself, ah, well, I, I don't, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to drop that because um, if I did, my world would implode. If I confessed, the cost would be too great. And so we are fearful of what would happen. And so we don't do what God has asked us to do, which is to confess to him and to one another. And if that's the case, I would challenge you. I would challenge you, challenge you that we need to be more fearful of what would not happen if we would just continue living a lie than we would if we let it out there and trusted God to be faithful in what he's asked us to do. I don't want to live a lie. But perhaps maybe you're here and you're thinking the repercussions, they're far worse. They're not. The repercussions are better than living a lie. It is worth it. I think it's worth it. Let me, let me try to prove it to you. Here's why I think it's worth it to confess. Number one, freedom. Freedom. There is a weight that comes with carrying baggage over and over and the secret of sin. We were not designed to carry it. We were not designed to carry it. We were not designed to carry that kind of weight. Keeping secrets and hiding secrets is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And when you confess and you bring it into the light, there is a weight that is lifted. There is an inward release. It's like a lightning of spirits, like just, ah. You can breathe almost, you know what I mean? When you get it out there and you just throw it out there and there it is, there's this release. And that's the freedom that Christ offers us. It's where that guilt and that shame, it just goes away because, because it's out there. And that's the worst. It's mo- a lot of times it's the fear, what will people say? What will they think? There's this weight that is lifted off when it comes to confession, a freedom that is given. Years ago, I, I, I went to a speed camp because I played a lot of sports as a kid. And so I went to, someone told me once about a camp that you could go that would make you faster. And I was really slow. I ran like a duck. I mean, it was bad. 
and it wasn't good. And so I went to this camp, and they were going to teach me. They guaranteed that you'll be able to run and move faster, and I thought that's going to be great for soccer and basketball. I don't know if it'll apply for baseball, but either way, I still want to do it. And so I went to speed camp, and one of the things they did was this is they tied weights to us. We had weights on our legs, weights behind us. So when we ran, we had to carry this weight with this strap, and then we'd run as fast as we can. And it would burn your legs because you're trying to run with this weight that is holding you back. They would have us jump to help us to jump higher. We'd get these, this, these straps over the top of us, and we would try to jump, and these straps would pull us down. They were like, like rubber band, big rubber band straps, and we'd jump up, and we'd go boom, and it would slam us back down, and boom. And then you would do that for like five minutes, jumping as hard as you can and going up and down. The moment you took off of those straps and you stepped to the side and you jumped, I promise you I could have slammed a basket. I could have dunked a basketball in that moment. I could jump so high, and when they took the weights off and I could run, I could run. It was unbelievable, and it was true because they timed us, and you did run faster after the weights were released. Some of us are running with weights strapped to our back, and we try to jump and run in this, in this life, and we can't because we're pulled back down by the weight of our secrets. What is offered by Christ himself is the idea that we could drop the baggage. We could drop the the weights. They could be gone, done, and you could walk in freedom. The way that we were designed to walk in the very, very beginning, you can walk in complete freedom. Friends, that's what God wants. It's not like he, it was not his idea that we would carry this baggage in the first place. If anything, all he's ever wanted to do was to get it off of us, to drop it, to go to be released so that we can walk in complete freedom. Amen? Amen. Truly. So when we confess, we experience freedom. It offers us freedom. It offers us something else as well. And I think this is interesting. It offers us true acceptance. True acceptance. Let me explain. When I said we have these secrets, we hide behind a mask. This is a person that, like, we have these secrets, I don't know you. You know when someone gets a secret out there, like, oh, I didn't realize that they were like that. I didn't know about that. They're hiding these things from you, playing Halloween. When you drop the mask, all of a sudden, someone has an opportunity to get to know the real you. And that's scary. That can be scary because the, the last thing we all want is rejection, rejection, rejection. In fact, I read this at every wedding that I do. Um, it's a pastor named Tim Keller. Here's what he said. I love this. He says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. I'll say that again. To be loved but not fully known, so to be, have a mask, secrets, is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, is it not? To be known fully and not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us, so it frees us from pretense, humbles us, out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty this life can throw at us. That is the goal, friends, to be known and fully known and to be fully loved. That's what God offers to us. Even with all the secrets, even with all the junk that was there, 
What's amazing is we were never meant to carry it, but yet what did Christ carry to the cross? He died for all of our sins, the ones that are known and the ones that are secret. And what he offers is that you would drop those. You would experience that freedom. And from that, you could be fully known. And you are, catch this, I love this. You are already fully accepted by him, even with the junk that you are carrying. So when you drop it, oh, that's wonderful. And it's the same thing with people. When you are real and authentic, which is a value around here that we have said over and over again that we'd be real and authentic, that comes with the garbage as well. And your brothers and sisters, we can drop those together and we can look at each other and go like, ah, I didn't realize you had that side of you. And you know, and like, all right, let's hug, you know, kind of a thing. Confession offers us freedom. It offers us true acceptance. And the last part is this. I love this. Is it offers us a fresh start. When we confess to one another and we confess to God, it offers us a fresh start. It is a do-over. One of my favorite movies is City Slickers, if you've ever seen it. And they're riding down on their horses and they're talking about how life they need a do-over. Like when they were kids and they played the game and the ball got hit out of bounds, they had to go do a do-over. It's like a mulligan when you're golfing. You swing, it goes into the woods, you're like, ah, that stinks. And someone says, ah, take a mulligan. And you're like, yes, I will. And it means you put the ball down and you hit again like that hit never happened. And you get a do-over. You get a mulligan. You get a fresh start. A chance to begin again. Friends, do we not all long for that? Don't you wish you could go back and say, I want to try again. I want to do this over. Now, let's just be honest here. Just because one is forgiven doesn't mean that all is forgotten. So we have to talk about this. Sin comes with a cost. It comes with consequences. There are natural repercussions for sin and even secret sin. But the blessings that we have far outweigh that. And you might think maybe they don't. Maybe not in the short term. Maybe it's going to be messy. Maybe it will be messy. Right? I don't know what, you have, what, what it is that you have been wrestling with or you have been hiding or you've been keeping there. I just know that God says clearly, give it to me and I'll take care of it. Confess it to me, confess it to one another, and I will give you the freedom that you need, the freedom that you desire. I will give you true acceptance. I accept you completely. I know you and I love you, and you can start again. What did Jesus talk about? That you would be born again. Talk about a fresh start. When we go into heaven, we get new bodies, right? We get new He's all about giving us this new. And so I conclude with this challenge, simply this. Some of you are here, and you're going, I know what you're talking about. Maybe I don't know personally. Jake, you don't know personally, but the Holy Spirit has been convicting you since the moment I said secret. And you know what it is. I'm, I challenge you to take courage. This is a very courageous thing to do. It is so courageous to confess it is not an easy thing to do. But I'm telling you, the blessing far outweighs the pain. In the long term, it truly does. I pray that you would take courage. I, I beg of you to take courage. 
and to put God to the test and trust him. And I get that. Some of you are like, no, I can't do that, Jake. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can just live with this. Don't limp along in life when you can run freely. God offers you that. Drop the baggage. Take him up on his promises. Friends, I, I tell you, it is so great to live with short accounts. Short accounts. Sometimes when I will get upset, if you've done the Enneagram anything, I'm a number eight, which means I have an anger problem apparently. So, so when something goes wrong inside of my house, um, sometimes I speak a little louder than I probably should at times. And it upsets my wife and it upsets my kids. And I will find that when I do that, I will walk out of that room and I will go into the other room and I'll immediately be like, what did I just do? oftentimes I will walk back in there and I will say, I am so sorry to my kids. I didn't mean to do that. Will you forgive me? That was bad of me. That was wrong. I go back to my wife and I'm I'm sorry. I I didn't mean that to come across that way. And sometimes she doesn't want to hear it at that moment, right? But short accounts, right? Confess as often as possible. Then you get to live this life of true freedom inside, of knowing that you are not having any wall, any filter, anything that's up here in front of other people. They see you for who you are, and they can love you. Your family can love you for that. Secrets are damaging. That's why God doesn't want secret sin is damaging. It's killing you, and it's killing your family, and, you don't, and, and it's killing the ones you love. We don't realize it. And so what Jesus says is just drop them. Give them to me. I've already taken care of it. Lay it on the ground and walk in my strength. Amen? Let me read this and I'll close here. These are the words of David, King David. Here's what he said about his wrestling with confession and forgiveness. He said, oh, what joy. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. There it is. Whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Did you see that? Cleared of guilt. Whose lives are lived in complete, and I love this, in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long, or all, long, all, all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Now that's the Holy Spirit. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Drawing us so that we would go to him. My strength evaporated like water, and I love this picture here, like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you, and here's the best part, you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. That part right there, finally I confessed all my sins and stopped trying to hide my guilt. Some of you, today needs to be the finally. I'm done. And we just confess and put it in God's hands and see how faithful he truly is. Let's pray.